Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Add My Optics, a podcast where two adults discuss, overanalyze and generally take a kid's toy and media franchise a little too seriously, usually that of the Transformers. I am your sceptical, battle-hardened, robocop-alike that's too old for this shit co-host, Orion Gear. And with me is my young, overconfident, naive, and some might say, not me of course, annoying, co-host, Virtual Dave. <laughs> say hello to our listeners, Virtual Dave. Hello, hello. Good to see you. So, um, let me take you back, dear listener, way back a whole 20 years ago to the ancient times of 2002, when the Transformers franchise lay in flux. Mm-hmm. The sequel to Beast Machines, which was to be called Transtech, had been scrapped, and instead the original Japanese-exclusive toy line car robots, which replaced Beast Machines over there, was hastily rebranded in the West as Robots in Disguise, whilst Hasbro and Takara, for the first time ever, worked on co-creating the next era of Transformers. The result, debuting in June-July 2002 was a return to mostly vehicle alt modes and a more child-friendly, gimmick-laden aesthetic uh, that introduced new designs, characters, and even a whole new diminutive faction of Transformers into the mix. Uh, This spawned the next stage in the brand's evolution and five years of what would come to be known as the Unicorn Trilogy. Today, 20 years later, we're discussing the series and toy line that kicked that all off, Transformers Armada. Mm Mm-hmm. Now then, Dave, uh, you are part of the Armada generation, are you not? I am indeed, yeah. So why don't you kick off proceedings? Uh, Where were you, how old were you, and how did Armada affect you when it launched? Um, Well, first of all, I was very young when Armada started. I was been going 10, going on 11. It would have been Mm -hmm. somewhere between a birthday. And I don't remember, like, when I first started watching the show, but I do remember going... On holiday to, I think, Portugal, and during whatever two hours we had to wait for our, our flight, there was like um, a WH Smith or something we went into, and I got some books. I convinced my parents to buy me some Transformers books, and it was Transformers Armada. So I remember it was like some sort of initial, I guess what you would call it, character guide back then. Right, okay. And so um, like going a, through all the... Sorry, so like fiction, um, a uh, prose, not... um. Not not comic books, like just books, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was just like a little text specs and mm-hmm. going through all the different characters in the show. And I thought, oh yeah, Transformers. We've done a bit of digging and it appears young Dave's holiday reading comprised of Transformers Armada Official Guidebook and Transformers Armada The Battle Begins, both published by Reader's Digest. The former is essentially a collection of character profiles similar to the classic text specs but follow neither the comic or cartoon continuity. The latter is a loose novelisation of the first three episodes of the TV series. And I think from there, it kind of kicked off into me um, watching the show and stuff, but I don't, I don't recall watching all of it. I think it landed on a day where I was either busy or something, so I didn't see every episode, mm-hmm. but I did watch a lot of it, but not all of it until years later when I got it on DVD. And what about the toys? Did you see them in the shops at the time? Oh, yeah. It was um, where I started really um, saving up pocket money and going to the shops and getting it for a tenner, you know. So you were buying them You were buying them when they were out on the shelves? Yeah, yeah. Or, or your parents were? 
Oh no, this was me saving money to go and get it. Uh, my parents had no interest. In, um, really? <laughs> I think with you being kind of ten or something, you might have got a few as gifts or something. Uh, no, I don't no. Think so. so it's just you, uh, just you saving your pocket <laughs> money and going to buy it. Yeah. I guess I kind of did the same with GI Joe and Action Masters back in the day. Uh, so yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I would have been just a quick bit of maths. Twenty. Uh, 20- four mm. when armada came out so i had no interest <laughs> or rather like i hadn't really paid transformers much attention for quite a long time but i had got back into transformers maybe the year previous to it coming out through the robots in disguise line um, which mm-hmm. i mentioned a few times on the podcast like you know the robots in disguise optimus prime that kind of pulled me back in and i started investigating other transformers lines and what was out and that's when armada hit Mm-hmm. So I was buying R.I.D. just as that was fizzling out. And Armada started to appear on the shelves. And to be entirely honest with you, at the time, I thought compared to R.I.D. it looked kind of childish and gimmick heavy and just not for me. Um, which, let's face it, it wasn't. I was a 24-year-old. Um, so... I mean, no, that's, that's a, I mean, that's a fair assessment. I mean, you look, look at any, like, uh, deluxe, for instance, compared to a RID one, the, the aesthetic is very different. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I sort of skipped over it for, for the most part and concentrated on RID and car robots, the, you know, Japanese equivalent. And then also universe figures as they came out and then reissues of G1 and vintage G1 and Beast Wars. And really, Armada wasn't, it didn't really appear on my radar much. It was, I just kind of ignored it. And I didn't really start taking an interest in what Armada spawned, which is the Unicron trilogy, until Energon came about, really. Mm. So Armada's one of those ones that I had a few toys of at the time. I did pick up um, a few, but not, no, I wasn't really into it. So yeah, what, 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 what toys did you have? Um, at the time, I think I had... I had Hoist. I had I had a I had a bunch of the universe toys as well, mm-hmm. which kind of like um were obviously the same molds, so sometimes they were Yeah. Universe options. But it was mostly the deluxes, like yeah, Hoist, Blur, some of the Minicon teams. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had any of the leaders at the time. Um yeah, it was just mostly the deluxes. Yeah. I definitely picked up the Deluxe, or I think Deluxe was called Supercon at the time. Orion is correct. For Armada, the basic, Deluxe, Mega, Ultra, Super and Supreme size classes, established during the Beast Era, were supplanted by naming conventions based around the term Con or Minicon. Basics were replaced with sets of three Minicons, obviously carrying the Minicon size class, and the remaining classes were named Supercon, Maxcon, Gigacon, and Superbase, respectively, with only the Supreme class remaining unchanged. I got the Supercon Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. known within the fan community as Bendy Prime, because he was oh, yeah. surprisingly articulated for, for a Unicron trilogy toy, or for an Amada toy anyway. Yeah, he was great. He was all right, yeah. I mean, he had a funny gimmick where he did a little dance. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was he was all right. 
And I don't know if I pay if I bought this myself or someone donated it to me or what, but I do remember at one point having the the big Optimus Prime. Oh right, yeah. With the self transforming trailer. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was absolute garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite um once you have Bendy Prime and then you have him, you're thinking this shouldn't be right for the price point. This is uh well, it's yeah, like a step I mean, backwards. The self, the self transforming gimmick kind of ruined it. Really, it was you know like it, it, the 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 big version, the big robot version was so static. <laughs> he, he could only really move his arms in his head. You know, mm-hmm. was it, I don't think he had. I don't think he had a waist. No, uh, he definitely no. didn't have any leg articulation because. No. <laughs> so it, it was. It was well something that we're going to probably talk about a lot the gimmicks of this line got in the way of things like articulation, things like aesthetics in in some instances. Mm. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's it's just a thing that happened. Um, what else did I have? I had, um, I think this was after it finished, I picked up uh, Galvatron, or, mm-hmm. or rather, you know, the later version of Megatron, mm-hmm. just because I thought it was a nice colour scheme. Mm-hmm. And then I got the the evil version of the air assault team. The uh, sorry, the you know the the star set oh, team, but the, the one that yeah. the one the one that's one the set that was coloured the same to match him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got that. Um, I don't know why, but I did have the space minicon team that turns into the um, the blaster, Astro blaster. Sorry, Requiem blaster. I think it's mm-hmm. called in the English version, and. Um, mm-hmm. I had a few other minicons. Uh, I think I had Thrust for a while. I assume you had Unicron. Well, yeah, we'll get on to that. But yeah, <laughs> um, I did. I had one. Of, yeah, I had maybe a few other things. Um, a friend of mine gave me a, one of his gave me his Jetfire to sell once, so I did play about with it. But that wasn't. I didn't particularly own it. But yes, of course, I had a Unicron because it was the first ever Unicron toy. Mm-hmm. So I had to get it, and it did look fairly g1 accurate to a certain point and it was pretty good really all things considered but we'll we'll go into more detail about that later we're going to have a whole bit about we talk about the unicorn toy i think okay okay but yeah so that was my my experience of it was that really i I don't think i went any further than that um i watched the japanese versions of energon and cybertron which is Superlink and Galaxy Force, respectively. But um, I never got round to watching Armada until very recently. I've just rewatched it all. So, mm-hmm. although I watched Micron, uh, Micron Densetu or Legends of Micron, mm-hmm. instead of watching the American dub, which is Armada. <laughs> so you watched the show at the time, but I, you were saying spottily. Uh, yeah, because obviously this is back in the day when. It came on once a week, and mm-hmm. if you missed it, you missed it. Um, yeah. And I think that really got me. Um, I've mentioned it before, but I I used to record Energon and Cybertron, and I think it was because I missed so much of Armada. You know, I figured out how the um, the tape recorder worked, so I could tape the episodes I was missing. Because mm-hmm. um, I think isn't. Um, Energon like twice the length of Armada. It's, it's not a very long series in terms of like. Well, Energon is. Or what do you mean? It's twice as long, isn't it? It's like there's more episodes in Energon. 
Armada, I mean, Armada has 52 episodes, so I don't know mm-hmm. whether I call that short. <laughs> there's quite a lot of it. I don't know whether there's more Energon uh, than there is Armada, but uh, it okay. still seems pretty long to me. I guess it's because there's so much of it um, I miss at the time, so it kind of felt like a short show in comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just checking for you right now. Um, let me have a quick look. Energon. Here we go. Cartoon. Um, nope. Energon's the same length. Really? No. Yeah, both, they're both 51 episodes long, and I wouldn't be surprised if Galaxy Force is the same, or, sorry, um, Cybertron. Mm-hmm. So, they're, yeah, they're both very long, but maybe you just you missed out on so many episodes of Armada originally that you think it's shorter. But yeah, you've watched okay. it all now, haven't you? Uh, I've caught up with some of the episodes I miss, because I've seen a lot of the early episodes, but later on, like when um, all the extra characters started popping up, it was the bits well, I missed. This is something I want to talk about, because like, I watched... I rewatched all of it in in order, mm-hmm. and the early episodes are slow, plodding. Nothing <laughs> really happens. They're all essentially the same. Mm-hmm. The plot is basically they detect a minicon, they go to get the minicon. Some sort of environmental issue makes it hard for the Transformers. <laughs> the kids help. The Decepticons turn up. They fight. Sometimes there's betrayal or use of a minicon weapon and then someone wins and the Decepticons teleport away and then we have a little bit at the end where everyone stands around and explains the moral of the story. Mm -hmm. And that goes on for about 20 episodes. (laughs) And it's not until you get to like around episode 30 that things really start kicking off. Mm -hmm. And then from that point, it's like bam, 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 bam. Like new thing introduced, don't explain why. Just get just go with it. Reasons, etc. <laughs> and then it's and then it's over. And uh, it's the pacing is terrible. <laughs> um I was thinking about this while when I was rewatching it, and I think the problem with that is the time it came out. So like what I'm just talking about, like how I would have missed episodes. Mm-hmm. And a lot I noticed a lot of them watching back have like more or less recap episodes where like they just half of it is a flashback. There's two recap recap episodes during the season. There's one around about episode twelve or something, and another around twenty five or twenty four or something. Well, yeah. They, so, so like, there's there'll be like plot points that are, I guess, you could just catch back up if you had missed episodes or something. You could. I feel when mm. you're watching it back to back, it feels a lot. It's, it's too much. Like it's not meant to be viewed so close together. No, you're right. It's not meant to be binge watched. No, because it wasn't designed that way. No, it is meant to be watched in an episodic way, but I do, it just to me it feels a little bit like the overall plot of the show. Mm-hmm. There's a point around about episode thirty or something where they suddenly go, right now we're getting into the we're basically entering the end game, mm-hmm. and none of that is foreshadowed in the first twenty or thirty. It's just like everything's kind of just pottering along very simply. And apart from having the, the kind of stuff going on with sideways and the stuff going on with the with the minicon weapons, yeah. mostly it's just very kind of low key. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you get and all of a sudden it they're building spacecrafts, they're going to space, Unicron's turning up, you know, and you've got a lot of plot points all intertwining that all kind of go somewhere very very quickly. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, for the first ten episodes, there's only seven Transformers in it, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a small cast to start off with. Yeah. Well, it's a small cast, for, like I say, for like the first, first 30 episodes. And then it's mm. then all of a sudden we, we've got everybody. And then they introduce people like um, Overload. Mm, yeah, they yeah. introduce him. <laughs> I don't know what, how it is in the, in the U- US version. Mm. But in the Japanese version, he's called Ultra Magnus. Mm-hmm. I was just watching the episode. It's the one where they encounter Nemesis Prime or uh, Black yeah, Convoy yeah. or whatever. And Hot Rod or Hot Shot and um, First Aid are on this weird planet. Mm-hmm. They've been tra- pulled into a black hole, ended on this weird planet where Nemesis Prime is. And Optimus comes to save them all in their spaceship. And he, he just turns to hoist i think or grapple or whatever we want grap grap or whatever he is called smokescreen that yeah. guy yeah. and goes is ultra magnus ready and he goes yes and i'm like <laughs> who who is ultra magnus and then he just launches out of the ship with ultra magnus attached to the back of him like in yeah. truck mode and it's like oh yeah new character right where did he come from never explained i don't think he is a character i don't think he's like um Represented as being sentient at all, he's kind of like a um, a god bomber or something situation. Like he's just yeah, he's just armor. If he's had that kind of like kicking around, <laughs> I mean, wh- wh- why are we suddenly seeing this for the first time? Why have you not mentioned it? You could at least have said like maybe four or five episodes ago that they were working on building him this new thing, you know, or something. It would have been nice, wouldn't it? But it's just like, is it ready? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's ready. It's coming now. Uh, like, what? <laughs> we haven't got time for that. We haven't got time. Just they just... had thirty episodes time. <laughs> they had thirty episodes to plant those seeds. They didn't do it at all. Well, didn't they do that with Jetfire as well? Because like their combination just comes out of nowhere, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, um, yeah. we could always do this." <laughs> Jetfire just turns up, and they go, "Oh, it's my second in command, Jetfire." No one has ever heard of him, and, and yeah, yeah, they just combine. <laughs> Why not? It's a cool scene. <laughs> but a lot of that happens. It's, there's a lot of things that are just introduced with absolutely no, no no real explanation. It's just like, oh, this guy's here now. Okay, yep. why? We don't know. You know, it's um, it's interesting how you can draw parallels from like G1 and how characters just pop up without any mm. introduction or yep. <laughs> any backstory. <laughs> and even the um, the mistakes, there are so many. <laughs> I, I can't believe I never noticed it before. <laughs> yeah. There's actually less in the um, in the Japanese version. Oh, so they cleaned it up or they, they just had people knowing what they were doing? <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing, actually. So even though the, the TV show was made in Japan, in Japanese, right. Hasbro rushed out Armada. It was the first to air. It came out six months before Legends of Micron. Oh, because Hasbro wanted Armada to be out on time for the launch of the toys. And basically, it wasn't ready. Mm. So they just took what what the Japanese um, production company had ready. Mm. And they just did a very quick and lazy dub. Mm. And just whacked it out. In Japan, they had another six months to iron out all the problems. Because the toy line didn't actually get going until around 2003 in Japan. Alright. So they had the time. Yeah, they had the time. 
And also, America had a gap in the middle, like um, a hiatus in the middle uh, over like the summer holidays or something when when it wasn't on TV at all, mm. which gave Japan and ev- all the other countries like Canada and the UK time to catch mm. up. And by the time the US put out the final episodes of Armada, it had already been on in the UK. <laughs> we actually beat them. All right. Armada finished. Armada finished first in the UK. <laughs> yeah, it finished in Japan, Canada, and the UK mm-hmm. pretty much j- just before or just around the same time as it did in the US. But I think we definitely got the la- the final nine episodes debuted in the UK. Okay, that's strange. <laughs> mm. But basically, it was something to do with Cartoon Network uh, demanding a certain number of finished episodes before they'd sign off on the show. Okay, and also, and like I said, they wanted them to air in time for the toys release, mm. or at least that's that's what's that's what that's one of the one of the rumors, um, and another rumor's got something to do with Dreamwave uh, comics, who were making the comic for Armada, mm. and they did make the comic for Armada. They've been asked, I think. Well, this this is another rumor. I don't know whether it's true. I just read it off the internet, mm-hmm. but um, apparently they were asked to provide character models for the animation, mm-hmm. and as most Transformers fans know Dreamwave were notoriously crap at getting things done on time. <laughs> so it's possible that didn't materialise in time, which is why you've got some issues with kind of things looking off model in the early episodes. Right. It's an age old problem, isn't it? We're constantly, we're, talk, we're talking about it with bloody War for Cybertron. It's like Hasbro does not seem to be able to get his shit together <laughs> when it comes to get, like, getting a show out on time for a toy line. They either rush it and muck it up, or they have a big gap. Like they, they never, they can't. They don't seem to be get any kind of synergy going, do they? It's like um, bot bots. I mean, that's been what three years mm-hmm. apart. <laughs> yep. I don't think. I think with bot bots, I don't think there was even a plan for a show when they put the toy line out, though. So I think it's <laughs> just something that they then sold to uh, whoever it is, Cartoon Network, Netflix. It's Netflix, isn't it's it? It's Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So. They must have just then sold that concept to Netflix. Go, oh, look, we've got this line of kid-friendly toys that, yeah, okay, they were on shelves a few years ago, but we can bring more out, mm. you know? I don't think it was ever planned for that to be a TV show. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I don't know. It's just my guess. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right, though. It's very... Um, there's a lot of off-model stuff going on in that show. It's so bad because mm. when it's animated really good, like all the very over-the-top transformation scenes or combinations and whatnot it looks great i think it's like mm. for its time you know it was like a really well animated robots not even just transformers they just look cool but when when it's not <laughs> it, it looks so it looks so bad when they're just i don't know what those those transformation sequence 30 seconds out of the episode so maybe that's the best mm. bit and then the rest of the episode is just Demolisher's got like the massivest shoulders. <laughs> Megatron's head proportions is always <laughs> changing. <laughs> yeah, didn't they do? Didn't Dreamwave do the uh, the designs for like the stickers and the toys? But like something happens and they couldn't keep up with that. Like the later issue, the later issues of the toys were done by stickers. Different, different, yeah, the character card slash stickers they had with the toys. Oh. What? Oh, the the yeah, the collector card yeah. things. Dream Dreamwave was also responsible for that as well, weren't they? Yeah, there was a lot of Dreamwave art appearing on boxes at the time. 
But I mean, I don't agree that for the time the uh, the animation was particularly good. Really? I think it ranged from kind of um, competent to pretty bad. Even when there's some there, there's some standout parts here and there, okay. but mostly it's a bit naff looking. Oh, oh well, I I don't know. I mean, I I just like those designs so. Well, no, but there were better shows on the. Sh- there was better shows on TV at the time. There was the that, there was the relaunch of He Man. There was the relaunch of Turtles. Oh yeah, there was, I um, mean, the- and if you're going to talk about giant robots, there was things like Gundam Wing. I mean, those were vastly superior in a, in a, in animation. So for the time, it was quite poor. Yeah, I'm not saying that it was you know the best thing since sliced bread or anything. It's just it was a good animated hand drawn animated show at the time that. Um, that I liked, especially for the terms of robots over here. Like, it wasn't a... Because, mm. I mean, off the top of my head, a lot of the stuff that we had here wasn't animated that way. Like, robot shows. Yeah, we had He-Man and Turtles and other stuff, but, I mean, like, we had stuff that was, like, on Cartoon Network, like, uh... Oh, I can't remember what it was called. A giant robot with, like, a car for a head. Like, it was... There's, we had stuff, but it wasn't animated like that. <laughs> okay, fine. But yeah, but, but well, regardless of what you thought of it, it was it was riddled with animation errors and stuff mm-hmm. due to the rush job. But they were fixed in the Japanese version. I don't know whether you watched that episode. Yeah, the one you s- I sent you about Jetfire. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice how much better the combined version of Prime and Jetfire looked? <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because this is that that's a good example of what I was talking about, like. They do the transformation sequence and it looks great, all nice, lovely, mm. and like the next shot, he's just already just like, what, what happened to all the <laughs> the proportions? But of, not in the Japanese. Yeah, they changed it. But not in the Japanese. Yeah, they changed version. it. It's like yeah. it's, it makes yeah. such a difference. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean there was still there was still plenty of sloppy animation in the Japanese version, but it, but the Japanese version is definitely the better of the two versions. Oh, yeah. But sadly, the US dub was the one that everyone else got. Like, even if you were in France, mm. you got the US dub dubbed into French mm. or with French subtitles. Like, that was the one that was pushed out. It was only really the Japanese that got the Japanese version, and maybe some some nearby countries. But yeah, I mean, it's it's only it's it's only a mild difference. The Japanese version is mildly better animated. Well, I also have to say, at the time, I wouldn't have noticed or cared in the same way. Some bad stuff with the dialogue as well, isn't there? Where people refer to each other by the wrong name. Oh, constantly. Yeah, yeah. Characters are called, being called the wrong name all the time. Uh, or the wrong voices speaking at some points. It's Yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah I don't think it happens as much as the um, in the Japanese version, but then one thing about I know, that I noticed about the Japanese version and maybe it's just my ears and Japanese voices, but so many of the voices sound almost identical that it's sometimes hard to tell who's talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely... It's always a problem. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things I noticed is that in Japanese, they were... A lot of times you could see the characters talking when a character was facing on. But a lot of times I noticed rewatching the American dub is that people are talking when you can't see them. So I guess in like they were filling out the space of a script or something yeah. or, you know... Of giving course, characters course, extra lines yeah. here and there, the kids sh- shouting from the <laughs> from the offside. Um. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I think you said you wanted to talk about the kids. What are, what are your thoughts on them? Uh, I hate them. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't like them at all. There's five, like, I think it's like five kids in There's total, five, isn't there? Yeah. There's the main three, Rad, Alexa, and um, Carlos? Carlos, yeah. Billy and the other Red. one. <laughs> yeah, those two. <laughs> I don't even know why they're even there. I don't know either. It's very... <laughs> I mean, I didn't find them hugely irritating, but they did. They seemed largely pointless. They didn't help a lot. Like, they... they when they did help, it was by accident or... Y- yeah. Circumstance of the episodes. <laughs> It, I mean, it was try. They tr- kind of tried to explain that the minicons needed their help somehow uh, later on. Yeah, because they could kind of talk to them, but no one else could, which always didn't make. Yeah, so so they. It's a bit of timey wimey business, wasn't there? Where they kind of went into the past yeah. and stopped them all becoming the minions of Unicron somehow. Yeah, they went back in time to make sure they got away from the whole fight, and that's mm. why they have that connection with their first three. Minicons, or yeah, why they respond to them. <laughs> At least that gives the kids a reason to be involved. But to be honest, though, most of the time, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> if for most of the show, the kids stay in the base with red alert, mm-hmm. babysitting mm-hmm. them, and then they watch the episode with us through a view screen. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I mean, I know, I even as a child. I didn't like the kids because I always used to find it really silly that they got these outfits that didn't really help them when they went to these different places. At least when when Energon rolled around, Kicker got like an actual battle suit, so you could actually. Wow, it was a it was a dirt bike suit, wasn't it? Yeah, really, Prime yeah. gave him a proper armored suit. It was like okay, yeah, he had some kind of armor. And then for Cybertron, the kids could hear the signal of the Omega Lock or something, so they were kind of useful. Like there was. <laughs> Well, like we said, the, the reason for them was the connection with the Minicons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They understood the Minicons, the Transformers did not. But yeah, what I found really odd, and they did try to broach the subject, but it took them, again, about 30 episodes to get round to it, was that they didn't appear to have families. They didn't, they didn't seem to have any kind of life outside of being in the Autobot base. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've noticed down, we see Rad's parents for the first time in episode 41. Wow, wow. <laughs> Previous to that, we had no bloody idea. All we knew was that, that their parents all worked at that research station. Mm-hmm. And they went to school near the research station. But they were only ever in school in like the first couple of episodes. Then you never seen them, saw them in school again, pretty much. Yeah. They were just always in their little orange jumpsuits, wandering around the Autobot <laughs> base. Doing stuff either with the mini cons or with the uh, larger. So they robots. went to space and they got those those um those ones that space suits. space suits that remind me of um uh, Power Rangers. Well, I, I guess that's also the same. I was going to say Voltron, but uh, yeah, because <laughs> they all had yeah. their different coloured helmets. <laughs> but it does it does get going. I think mm. after that, and it is it does definitely get more interesting when you introduce more characters like. Double face, oh, yeah. sideways, mm-hmm. and rampage, wheeljack, oh yeah, and oh thrust, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, it gets more, it starts to get more interesting. I didn't find Jetfire very interesting, to be honest. 
what happens what happens with a lot of Transformers shows is that the Autobots are boring <laughs> and no one cares if they win. And and in fact, the least interesting thing would be if the Autobots won. All the scenes with the Autobots are very dull. I, I did. I mean, it's fifty-two episodes, so I didn't watch every episode all the way through. Mm. But I'd scrub through, and I'd I'd, I'd skip most of the Autobot dialogue mm. because it wasn't. They weren't talking about anything interesting. Oh, all that turning out to be friends, and you know, if they didn't get along, yeah, they'd be fighting exactly. or yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> mm. They're not very complex characters, are they? <laughs> They're not. Um, I mean, as they're voiced by the Beast Wars cast, well, not all of the cast, but. It's very strange hearing them like that. Yeah, the reason that, that it's not as good is that it wasn't done in the same way. It wasn't done with them all in the same room, mm. recording it together, ad-libbing, doing all that kind of stuff. It was just, here's your script, David Kay. Please read these lines into the mic. <laughs> That's essentially it. There was, as far as I know, there wasn't any real... They didn't really have any input into it uh, as they did... More so in um in Beast Wars. Well, he definitely squeezed in a, a yes in there at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, there's a bit of characterization there. Yeah, obviously they put their own little spin on it here and there. Yeah. But generally, it was kind of like because there were some really clunky lines here and there that I think if either David Kay or Gary Chalk had had a little bit more uh, creative control, mm. they might have ironed out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I can't say for sure. So. I mean, what did you think of the character of Optimus Prime in Armada? Uh, I mean, he was all right. I mean, he's uh, considering he was like one of the first proper Optimus Primes I watched on TV. Um, I don't know. He seemed to fit the bill as Optimus Prime. I like Gary Chalk's Optimus Prime throughout the Unicorn trilogy, but uh, I would definitely say Armada is the weaker of the Prime because you don't really get to find out much about Prime in this show like he's not he just pops up and he will fight Megatron and you know chuckle in the background while they have they win or they lose yeah they try to give him a character arc but I think it falls flat a little bit like they have him kind of like he's the supreme commander and there's all this this is kind of alluding to the fact that he just he knows he knows his shit and he knows what he's doing Mm. but like he makes so many poor decisions that I don't know why they all think that, but then that's a, that's a problem we have with War for Cybertron. <laughs> but also, he's he has the bit where he kind of sacrifices himself mm-hmm. to um, to prevent Megatron from blowing the Earth up with the, uh, whatever it's called, a Mega Cannon or whatever, the Hydra, Hydra Cannon. cannon yeah, yeah. yeah, the the, comb- the combination of the shield, gun, and uh, the, the Star Saber. Mm-hmm. The three... The three Minicon weapons, just for those who haven't watched it. Minicons, we should probably talk about Minicons, mm-hmm. actually, but we'll do it in a second. But yeah, when he, he sacrifices himself to um, to prevent Megatron from blowing the Earth up, everyone's very sad for two episodes and he's back. I mean, it was a very sad two episodes. I was sad. You know. <laughs> I, I, I found it completely unsad. Because <laughs> it was like, well, what, well all for a start... I, you know, I was aware that he'd be back anyway. But yeah, it was only he came back very quickly and for almost no reason to get that new that new toy. He's got a different paint scheme. <laughs> no, I had to say he had the same paint scheme. Oh, sorry, he gets that later. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, so he had that. So he basically sacrificed himself to protect the Earth. Okay, fine. And then later on, when he has got the new colour scheme, basically Unicron's trying to suggest that him and Megatron are basically the same and he's only it's only because he's got the Matrix that he thinks he's better. He's probably actually kind of true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it kind, it anyway. kind of is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 I mean, but Megatron's a proper bastard, though. So. Well, I mean, I, I, I guess from Unicron's perspective, like, I mean, I don't know how it is in the Japanese dub, but he was gaining power from them fighting, right? On the conflict that the two of them had. So, yeah. no matter who was in the right or the wrong, he was benefiting from their battle anyway. So they had to work together. Yeah. And then once Unicron was gone, they stopped working together. <laughs> I think we've been callous in not talking about the thing that the whole bloody show is about, which is Minicons. So essentially, Minicons are little tiny robots who talk in bleeps and basically R2-D2 noises. Mm-hmm. And they are basically power-ups to the bigger robots. And the show, at least for the first 30 or so episodes, follows the kind of gotta catch them all Pokemon model mm-hmm. of let's go hunt down a Minicon and then you have to awaken it. It's inside a little Minicon panel. It has to be awoken. And then when it's awoken, it somehow imprints on the person who awakes it mm-hmm. and becomes their slave, weirdly. <laughs> and then later Just like on, Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, later on they they start they start kind of developing their own personalities, but for the, for a while it's very much like, oh well, I found you, so you have to do what I say, and they go, okay, that's what I'll do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only ones yeah. that don't follow that trait is, uh, I guess, the teams. Well, they all don't. They all don't follow that trait at some point because there's point there's parts where the minicons kind of rebel. Mm. All of the minicons, well, most of the minicons are teams. I suppose you've got the individual ones that come with individual robots, yeah, Transformers, yeah. but but they do all rebel a bit here and there, but it takes a while for them to do it. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I liked the idea of the minicons, um, and I still kind of do. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of another sub-faction of Transformers with their own little um, logo, um, which is pretty cool. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really... Probably as a child, I didn't really grasp the whole got to catch them all thing because every bot came with a minicon anyway. I know they had the separate packs you could buy the three teams or whatever, but it it was a cool thing about the line that they all came with one. Um, yeah, they all came with one. Yeah, but uh, I mean, you're probably not aware of this, but we'll get we'll get into it in, in a okay. bit when we talk about the toys. But there were a lot more minicons in Japan than there were in the UK. In, oh in yes, US. yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, um, yeah, but yeah. The, the the concept is obviously based around the toys, which is we're going to have these little, basically, essentially micro masters mm-hmm. that power up your robot, your toy, and you'll be able to activate some kind of play feature or whatever. But in the show, that comes through as like little kind of weird slaves that power them up, and. Also, what's kind of comical about it is that they're all they all turn into vehicles, but they turn into tiny vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like it works for the three main ones that turn into um Bumble, sorry, Perceptor. Oh yeah, yeah. Those guys. Yeah. It works for them because their alt modes are kind of small vehicles that the kids can ride mm-hmm. on, like a skateboard and a moped and a bike. Mm-hmm. But 
But then when you see like um, you know the racing cars and the uh, and the jets. And they're all tiny, little tiny things. In fact, at one point, one of the the silly kids, mm-hmm. the you know the the bullies mm-hmm. or whatever they are, they're, although they're kind of shit bullies, <laughs> they they kind of join they kind of join the goodies quite quickly, and they become nice guys. Mm-hmm. Really, one of them rides around on one of them at one mm-hmm. point, and he's like sat on top of a racing car. <laughs> yes. And all this kind of is a bit confusing because the Transformers in the show have almost zero interaction interaction with the real world mm. and somehow managed to keep themselves a secret despite having massive battles all over the fucking place <laughs> and flying into space, massive explosions in space. No one sees this. Mm. No one notices uh, for a long, long time. The Transformers have no interaction with the larger world. The larger world seems to have completely, can be completely unaware of their presence for most of the series. Their alt modes mean nothing. They are completely unimportant because they don't use them to do anything. They don't use them as disguise. They just turn into them from time to time so they can shoot at each other. (laughs) Or they can drive fast or something. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that they transform is moot. Uh... Doesn't mean anything. It doesn't doesn't have a a purpose. No one even seems to question it. Like the kids don't even go... Why do you transform into a truck? They just do. It just does turn into it, a truck. They were just cool to them. You know, whatever they were doing, it was... Wow, so cool! I can do that, man! <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there was an episode where they... Um, there was, like, a news reporter. They didn't. She didn't know they were robots, but she was filming them intensely so they couldn't transform. I think that's the only time it comes up. Was there? Is there? I don't remember that yeah, one. Yeah, so one of when they were going on vacation somewhere and, like, it just... That, oh, there was like oh yeah, of... I think I skipped that one because I thought it looked silly. It was silly. It was it was very silly. Did they go they went fishing? Didn't they went they? fishing and there was some sort of mudslide and they got traps and then they couldn't transform in front of yes, the camera. I did I did I scrubbed through that one quite quickly, <laughs> so I may have missed that bit. So they, they they kind of addressed it, but it just never yeah, it doesn't really surface again. It wasn't really a big part no. of it, was it? Um because they could all go wherever they wanted to. I mean, early on, I guess they kind of made a big deal out of, yeah, different environmental conditions mm-hmm. in different. They go to different parts of mm-hmm. the planet, mm-hmm. always uninhabited for some reason, and they would uh, then and then they would kind of struggle with the environmental issues because they're oh, this planet's alien to us. And then the kids would go, "Ice is slippy," <laughs> and then you know explain it to them, and then we'd move on from there. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate in the first few episodes where, um, well, the initial five, no, seven Transformers yeah. arrive. They they arrive in, I guess you would call them Cybertronian modes or Cybertronian designs. They they have like uh, the same aesthetic as their toys or whatever, but it's like a Cybertronian design. You can't tell what they transform into. I appreciate it because when they did have certain flashback episodes, they would have that first episode design. Did you know that uh, the design of Red Alert was based on Robocop? I mean, it's pretty... It's pretty. <laughs> it's not take much convincing yet. <laughs> no. Um, something to do with uh, Robocop and something else. I think it was Power Rangers. Power Rangers? Yeah. Oh, well, like Lord Zed or something. 
No, just Power Rangers. His head looks like a Power Ranger head, doesn't it, really? Oh, I guess so. Yes. On the visor. And the, yeah. yeah, Power Rangers and Robocop, apparently. That was apparently Aaron Archer um, big fan. told us this <laughs> at some point. What did you think about um, Starscream? Oh, yeah, Starscream. I thought I quite liked the um, plot of of having the fact that the Transformers had to work together to defeat Unicron mm. eventually. And that was something that the, the Starscream plot was quite a good one to kind of bring that through. Mm-hmm. So I like quite like that. One thing I did like about the show is that despite like early on it is seeming very formulaic and kind of like not really going anywhere mm-hmm. for quite some time, it was eventually revealed that Sideways was working for Unicron and so was Thrust. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, you had you had Starscream basically kind of fall out with Megatron, which is normal. Mm-hmm. But for him to kind of switch sides and then kind of um, become a kind of more softer, more sympathetic character, mm-hmm. I thought that was quite quite well done. Really, I mean, it's not it wasn't you know Dinobot, but um, it was it was still kind of it gave him a, a an extra layer of of a kind of characterization that was missing from quite a few other characters. Oh yeah. I think it's, um, I mean, it reminds me a lot of, uh, six shot from headmasters, but this has done a lot better. I think it's a nice, uh, transition, mm-hmm. especially having him kind of have an attachment to Alexis and that time he spent with the Autobots and finding out how yeah. they, how they treated each other. He was used to them always bickering and fighting with the Decepticons. He, it blew his mind that they were, getting along with their day and not punching each other or something, you know. Which was also what Thrust identified. He was saying the reason that you keep losing Megatron is because the Autobots work together as a team and we don't. Yeah. So yeah, no, I quite like Starscream's arc. It was good. And I kind of, like I say, I did quite like some of the kind of, the more kind of, I didn't, I didn't understand, understand the character of Scavenger at all, but um, I did understand, I did quite like um, the way that Doubleface, uh, is kind of pulling the strings. <laughs> I didn't see that as a child, so re-watching that, I always knew Scavenger was a Decepticon for a bit, and he became a good guy, but I never saw that transition. I must have missed that episode when he swapped sides. Mm-hmm. So when I'm re-watching it now, I was like, oh, he was someone's double agent. Um, he was... Prime told him to do it. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prime told him to do it. <laughs> Many episodes later, after Prime dies, okay. he he tells Hotshot that he switched to the Autobots because he saw something in Hotshot that he thought <laughs> thought was like the sign of the future. <laughs> I mean, I and I said, but hang on, I thought you were Convoy's dub. Make up your mind. Like, I don't know what the dub I, says about that. Maybe, maybe it's different. I don't know. <laughs> No, but I'm I'm saying I, I I watched all the Japanese, and I definitely got the impression that he was he was convoy. It was the he was a double agent all along, mm. and convoy knew a lot knew about it all along. Clearly, Orion was not paying attention. The Japanese version is actually clearer about Devastor's, aka Scavenger's, defection. While in Armada, Prime identifies him as an undercover spy. In Legends of Micron. Convoy clearly states that Devastor is certainly not an undercover spy. 
What did you think of that? Of like Cotshot becoming the leader for that bit. I mean, because Jetfire was second in command. Um, why yeah. did he just? <laughs> it made no. It made. It didn't make an awful lot of sense because Hotshot's been nothing but a pain in the ass the entire thing. I mean, and then he's suddenly like, "Oh, well, you've got to be the new leader." And it's like, why? You make you. you, you I suppose actually, in a way, no. I stand corrected. He makes terrible decisions. So does Optimus Prime. So <laughs> why not put him in charge? I mean, let's take some kids into a battle zone. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's, that was always a terrible idea. I don't know why they kept doing that. Um, but it's... Well, eventually they started leaving them at home with their babysitter red alert. <laughs> I did appreciate that Hotshot used to actually do something. Because there was times, and it was early, especially in the early episodes, where there's like some sort of standoff and no one's doing anything. They're all just standing there looking at each other. And Hotshot was like, mm. sod this, I'm going to go punch Megatron in the face. Or kick him or something. Yeah. Like, just do something. <laughs> yeah, but they were quite, they're quite, they were quite violent, weren't they? Like all of them. <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, I remember sending you a, a, a screenshot, but when I first started watching it, like episode two or mm. something, Optimus Prime's picking up Decepticons by the head and throwing them around. Mm. They were quite rough. Uh, yeah, they're very, very violent towards each other. I mean, it's um, it's a nice. Um... Like the ending, like the last fight between Optimus and Galvatron slash Megatron, mm-hmm. is is probably my favourite fight between the leaders ever. Really, it's not. A, oh shit! It's, it's not. It's it's nothing compared to obviously like the big final fight of Megatron and Optimus Prime in like the movie or anything. But I mean, just well, there you go. It's then. just the violence. I really like it. So. It's never you never really get to see them like rip each other apart and go through walls and Well you haven't read any of the comics, have you? Well n- no. <laughs> I'm sure I'm <laughs> but, sure Okay, it... yes, An- animated wise, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay, maybe I should be more specific. I have the three Unicorn trilogy mm. shows. Out of their three last fights, that one's my favourite. I can't remember, so maybe we'll revisit this when we've done an episode <laughs> on Energon and Cybertron. I mean, I really liked Superlink, but I can't remember if I was asked which my favourite show was, which my favourite show of the three is. Even now, I've actually watched all of um, Legends of Micron. I still think Superlink is the best one of the three, but. Maybe re- revisit it later. But I can't remember about what, what the final fight between the two... I don't know why there's always got to be a final fight between Optimus and Megatron, but it seems that there has to be for some reason. Yeah. Because, like, that was the thing in this show. It's like, oh, we defeated Unicron, but we'll have to have one more episode where you two of you fight. <laughs> Just because that's what's meant to happen. They have to, they have to. Not that, you, not, that, not that you haven't fought each other countless times previously in the season. We'll have to have another one where you fight. But yeah, the the it was well animated that fight. Um, it was one of the better animated bits of the show. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I did notice the the animation really ticked up in the last ten or so episodes. It seemed like they'd had a bit more time to get it properly done, so there was less kind of bad animation. I did like um, that thing you sent me about Fort Max being in it. I didn't realize that in some of those flashback scenes or little when they got to this bits in space, you got 
little cameos of either toys or just random G1 characters were just popping up in the background. There's loads <laughs> of it. I think, I mean, I can only imagine that the animators were like, right, we need to do some scenes on Cybertron. We're not going to design a bunch of new Transformers. We'll just use some old G1 mm. ones and just chuck them in there. And maybe just t- paint them different colours. And I think that probably made more sense in Japan because in Japan they don't really treat Armada as being a separate uh, continuity. What from G1? Japan pretty much treats all Transformers as being part of the same continuity. I know it doesn't make sense, but they do. Wrong again, Orion. It is true that until Legends of Micron, all Transformers fiction was treated as one highly confusing and contradictory continuity, which also weaves in later lines like Binaltech, Kiss Players and Robot Masters. Legends of Micron, however, was Japan's first proper reboot, separate to that original sprawling continuity. To confuse things further, Galaxy Force, known as Cybertron and the third part of the Unicron trilogy in the West, was originally treated as a third reboot and separate to the rest of the Unicron trilogy. Much later, well after the show aired, some extensive retconning by Takara found a way to reconnect Galaxy Force to its Unicorn Trilogy brethren. However, this has done nothing to make Japanese continuity any less confusing and contradictory. I suppose this went, well, we'll just put some old Transformers in who would have been on Cybertron, mm. you know, paint them different colours, you know, but they look like Transformers. They, they, look, they are G1 designs, like Wheelie's in there mm. and um, Fort Max is in there. And, and like, I mean, I'm sure there's a list somewhere online, but there's a fair few... G1 character models used. And even, um, and we'll get onto it in a bit, but Armada, um, Armada Rhinox appears yes. in it for like a yeah, second. Yeah, he's in like one of the spaceships or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they do kind of, um, pull from various areas, don't they? And, uh, and that's fine. I mean, yeah. It, why not? Bit of world building. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, otherwise they just look very generic. Mm. And there are some bits where they have a lot of minicons um, on screen and they all look exactly the same. Or that, like the very, that there's maybe three or four character models repeated over and over and over again. Which again, you know, you know what that's like. It's animation constraints, you know, money constraints. You know, they, they can't spend that much time re- designing everybody to look different. So you can kind of forgive it. And what do you think of like the in-story repaints of the characters? Well, they were very tacked on. <laughs> I mean, like, in terms of the their dramatic colour scheme changes... Well, I mean, Hot Shot's just in very, but everyone else is kind of very different. <laughs> mm, I think describing them as in-story, you're, you're being um, incredibly generous. <laughs> well, because, essentially, they just change colour for no reason. I mean, some of them decide, decide to change their names as well, but then that doesn't really stick. They don't in the Japanese version. They keep their names. Oh, do they? Okay. Um, yeah, they all keep their names. Starscream decides to call himself Thundercracker for a little bit, and then just go back to being Starscream. Uh. Yeah, because why Why would you just change your name for no reason? It's, like, it's kind of weird. Okay, Grapple and Hoist. Mm-hmm. That makes... Not not the ch- name change, but the, the change of body. That was in story. I'll, I'll give you that. He got destroyed... And then he got his body rebuilt. Fine. But then Megatron, Starscream, Hotshot, and Red Alert, just they just get changed colour because Minicons. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, the Minicons have turned up and they're just suddenly 
displayed a brand new power. And they do that every five minutes anyway. <laughs> so, you know, here's their new power. They can change your colour scheme. I mean... Um... We don't know. We don't know. We don't know why. <laughs> they did... Um... I guess they tried to explain it away with their connection with Unicron, that they can just do all this stuff, but it was very vague. It was very... <laughs> they can essentially do anything. They're, you know, they're, they're, um, they're, a, they're a MacGuffin, mm. you know? They can just do whatever they want. It's like, what, what, we need something to chat to happen. Okay, the Minicons will do it. <laughs> I don't even know. I, to be honest, I, I think I skipped the bit where Prime changed colour. Okay. Uh I'm not sure why he changed colour. You would have thought he would do it when he came back to life, but he didn't. No, I can't remember why he changed either. No, I, I imagine it's nothing exceptionally interesting. Guess what? Yup, Minicons did it again. Via some sort of vision quest, the kids free the Minicons from Unicron's control, and they move against Unicron. This releases the Minicon weapons team and Prime, and for no discernible reason Prime changes colour. As far as we can tell, it provides no benefit other than Prime looking more badass. Not that I don't like, not like his 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 um redesign. It's not well. You mean you mean his redeco rather than redesign? His redeco. Yeah, I like. I I think it fits the the slightly darker episodes towards the end. You wanted to mention favorite episodes or favorite things we liked about from the show or something. Well, can do. I mean, I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any favourite episodes? Um, I, I really do like the episode where, what we were talking about earlier, when Prime and um, Jetfire combine. I just, I just oh, like yeah. that that combination sequence and how it all plays out. But uh, I think the one that I remember the most from my childhood, I don't know if I would say it's good or bad, is when. Um, Megatron breaks into the Autobots base and he basically shoots um, smokescreen point blank range several times. Oh yeah, um, I thought that was that was quite dramatic. That was quite yeah. No, there, there are some bits like that. Though, I, mean, I don't know if I would say if, I don't know if it lands in good or bad, but it was very like wow, this is a quite brutal. <laughs> it was yeah. quite dark. <laughs> I think if I were going to choose any standout episodes, I would say apart from maybe like like the finale, mm. which is fairly well done, as in well done animation, and you know it's a little bit more interesting as far as characters go than a lot of the other rest of the show. But I would say the first time that sort of thing happens, the first, I think the first point at which I kind of sat up and thought, actually, this mm-hmm. this episode isn't bad, was. It was a two-parter. It was the first two-parter in the whole thing, and it was the one where the character of Wheeljack is introduced. Yes, that's a good episode. I think it was called The Past Part 1 and The Past Part 2 or something like that. I quite like how that was done, and it actually gave both Hot Rod and Wheeljack a bit of an interesting kind of character arc, which did kind of get some kind of a payoff later Mm. when they teamed up again. So, yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, I got to say, I really do like how they had the Autobot sign with the slash for it. Like it was, and he just kept it from the mm-hmm. battle they had. I liked it as a yeah. But then he had a little Decepticon sign underneath, underneath it, it yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was Which cool. I thought it was like, <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe it would have been better if he put it over the top. Or something. I don't know. Anyway, and um, as for favorite characters, I suppose I've got to say Starscream was good. Um, 
Who else do I like? Mm. Uh, it's <laughs> difficult, isn't it? I mean, Megatron's okay, but he was kind of... He's kind of one note, wasn't he, a lot of time? Yeah. I mean, he did do a lot of... He did do a lot more craftier things than I remember him doing. Like, I remember him being much more Saturday morning villain, but he did do things that was very underhanded, and, like, he, he got the Star Saber from Starscream by cheating it out of him or pretending that he got hurt or something, and then... He did little things behind the yeah. scenes, but he didn't do it enough. There was a lot of them doing that, though. Not just him. Like, Sideways yeah. was doing it, Thrust was doing it. They all had their little agendas. The only thing that kind of let that down was their agendas re- regularly didn't make any sense. <laughs> and then you'd, you'd be like, what? And then they go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's what I was planning all along. And you go, but, but, but then... Why did you do it that way? That's the stupidest way. I mean, that's what I mean. I thought the Septum characters were the more interesting characters because they had a bit more going on. Whereas, you know, the Autobots suffer from that kind of like, oh, we're all pals and we all want to learn how to get along and uh, uh, learn a learn an important moral lesson at the end of every episode. And then Rad will do a, um, a voiceover where he explains it or Alexa will or something, you know? Whereas the... The Decepticons were a bunch of assholes. Yeah, they were. I remember they were bullying Starscream because he was the last one to get a minicon and they were just making jokes in front of him. Like, oh, yeah. You're worthless. <laughs> and Cyclonus and Cyclonus and Demolisher just being typical idiot, kind of bebop and rock Basically, steady kind of characters, yes. you know? <laughs> really thick and just lackeys that just do whatever Megatron tells them to. They didn't have any kind of um, character development whatsoever. No, they're just kind of there. I mean, what did they? What did they do? They didn't do anything. There's moments of it, but it doesn't go anywhere. There's sometimes where they think what Megatron's doing is not right, but then they're just like, "Well, this is see what happens," you know. Yeah, exactly. They just kind of go along with things in the end, don't they? They might occasionally say, "Well, oh, he's being a bit mean, but I guess yeah. that's just what he does." Okay, um, we'll still do whatever he says. Like I say, I didn't. I I don't hate the show. I wouldn't watch it again. It's a lot of episodes. I do like there to be more episodes than say six mm. or whatever. But fifty-two, when nothing much happens for the first thirty, is not the best. Yeah. If they'd spread the story out a bit more, if they paced it better, it could have been a better show. I think. I mean, it's. I mean, like, just like you said, we'll talk about when we get to them. But it's kind of a thing that kind of happens with the other two shows as well. So it's not... Hmm. They don't learn their lesson. Not really. I... <laughs> <laughs> I think the show at the beginning is very much like... It revolves around what I was talking about earlier about you could miss this and you'd be, you'd find it very easy to latch back on. But as it gets towards the end... You need to know what's going on, type of thing, and I, I mean, I don't know if that was part of the process about how they were trying to attach people to the audience of it and just hope that they would. Yeah. Maybe if they missed the first twenty to thirty episodes, they would still be able to know what's going on towards the end or anything like that, because it's. Well, there's 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 absolutely no need to watch the first eleven episodes because episode twelve recaps them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> It almost feels like, why don't you just start on episode 12? Because <laughs> nothing much happens in the first 
11 episodes. Maybe you could have episode one. And then maybe you could have a couple of episodes where they do a bit of minicon hunting. And then they can get into the, oh, it turns out three minicons can form a mm. weapon. And then let's not take forever to get to the the Requiem Blaster. And then the com- combination of the three weapons, which doesn't even have a combined mode. It's just a thing. Yeah, so something Thrust came up with one day. and <laughs> yeah. I think there's something to it because I... I noticed that Prime uses his super mode a lot at the beginning, and then he just stops for quite a while. He doesn't use it again until much later. Well, once Jetfire turns up, he doesn't need to. He well, yeah, just combines yeah, Jetfire. Yeah. And that's not that far along. Yeah, we've done that now because, um, you know, now we need to sell you Jetfire. <laughs> so, buy Jetfire. It is very much like that. We're now, we're now on wave three or wave four of Armada, and... We're not really selling as many primes as we mm. used to, but we now need you to go out and buy Jetfire to combine with the prime you already bought. I think that's, I think there's a bit of that going oh, on. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, anything else you want to talk about about the show before we move on to talking about the toys? Um, I really liked the music in the American version of the show. Ah. It's one of those type of... Uh, it was very common in that era of anime slash westernized cartoons mm-hmm. where they would have some sort of they would obviously have the theme song but they also have another song that's like a a song for the battle or a hype song type of thing yeah you know. but they're the same in the Japanese version only they're vastly superior I mean I do like those songs it's just that I didn't grow up with those songs so yeah I mean I don't know whether it's the same actually I do know I did look this up it is similar in the US version, in that they overuse the same pieces of music over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. Here's the music we play when they're having a battle. Yeah. Here's the music we play. They play. And I don't like the <laughs> reworked version of Transformers Robots in Disguise. I think it's awful. Where it goes, Transformers! <laughs> I don't like that at all. Really? No. Wow. I, I, I love that song. I, it's a... Uh... It's a s- yes, it's it, well, it's it's just a, ra- a bad remake of the G1 tune. Um, no, no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, can't I can't even compromise it in my head. It's just such a it's a good like hype song. Like I I, I just like how excited and rage for battle it all gets when the song plays. I, I I can't I can't separate it. <laughs> yeah, but it is it is essentially the G1 theme tune. Remix. It is, it is, yeah. yeah. And in my opinion, not a very good way. <laughs> but, you know, that's, you know, your, mile, your mileage may vary. The Japanese tunes are alright as well, but I mean, uh, again, uh, uh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. The Japanese one is very, well, uh, the opening is very upbeat. There's two, it changes halfway through. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've got a really annoying piece of music that they play when the kids are doing stuff in the Japanese one. Which has this, which keeps going, whoop, whoop, and it's quite <laughs> annoying. I mean, the music is is perfectly serviceable. I think what it is is because it's it's something fun for like young children. This well, yeah, it's really targeted for, and I can't separate that from my head. Like it was just great at the time. Yeah, it's just nostalgia, isn't it? Mm. And like, yeah, I I absolutely agree that the the TV show 
and the toys. So here is an actual bit of synergy that actually did work. They were aimed at the same demographic, you know, quite clearly. And that was kids. So the TV show was a kids Saturday morning kids cartoon, basically, or whatever it was. I don't know when it was uh, broadcast in the UK. I think you're right. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. And then um, the toys were very much aimed at people, you know, kids from, I don't know, six to kind of 12 or something, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, and then they kind of, the toys kind of reflected that. With that all out of the way, we should talk about the toys themselves, the toy line. What did you think of the toy line at the time, and how do you feel about it now? Um, well, I liked it at the time. I thought they were great figures. At the time, I didn't, I didn't know the difference, but looking at it now, it was a great little bundle for your money, because a deluxe was £10, and the packs <laughs> of three were about six, seven. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of standard across Transformers lines at the time. I mean, the, the same was true was a, of a, a Beast Wars Deluxe was £10, you know, like... Yeah, but I mean, the so you got the character, you got a Minicon, you got the comic, you got the sticker. Um, they all came on these really massive card backs, bubbles or whatnot. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I, I guess I see what you mean. It was kind of, yeah, I suppose there was some value for money to be had. Hmm. Because, I mean, in fairness, you got, from before you had R.I.D. and then you just had the deluxe and maybe his accessory. Um, like, there wasn't anything mm. else in the box for the same price. So they definitely tried to entice people yeah. with what you were getting. I'd agree with that. They were very snazzy boxes. Mm. They are kind of curved at the front and they had that kind of plastic blister over the top. Mm-hmm. A really big window and you could see most of the toy and the minicon and everything you're going to get mm-hmm. and the toys were yeah a bit bigger and chunkier admittedly as a result they were a bit less articulated or intricate or mm-hmm. clever as stuff that had come in the previous couple of lines you know toy toy engineering had moved on quite a bit between G1 and Armada in that the Beast Wars toys were quite highly articulated by the end of it all and mm. rid was very much was still continuing that trend you know it was a japanese only line originally and then we just got ported over to the west just as a filler really mm-hmm. because they decided they weren't going to do trans tech <laughs> <laughs> which i mean is a great shame really i would have loved to have seen trans tech but i can understand because beast machines was a bit of a shit show yeah not a shit show <laughs> it wasn't a shit show, but the toy line was a bit of a shit show. Yes. So I can understand why they kind of backed out of that. Yeah, like I said before, I remember them being on the shelves, and I remember thinking some of them were all right, but they were—they are—they're deliberately designed for children, mm-hmm. which is exactly what they should be. They shouldn't really be attractive to me as an adult, anyway. That's <laughs> not what they're for. It's not like these days. Back then, it was like, these are kids' toys for kids. So they were packed full of gimmicks, packed full of um, action features, mm-hmm. play, you know, play patterns and ways you, could, ways you could use them together and combine them and, and all that kind of stuff. So as toys, looking back on it, even though at the time I thought they looked a bit crap, mm. as toys, they're actually really great. 
really well designed for their purpose, which is to be something for a kid to play about with, chuck about. They were quite sturdy. They were they were very sturdy. I'm looking looking back at my own figures on um, the lead up to this, it was like these figures still are hold up and I have no problem transforming them and whatnot. Like towards I'm sure whenever we do talk about um, Energon, we'll talk about mm. that. Like a lot of my figures were broken compared to yeah. the Armada ones, and they were. I think that a lot of that came down to the different type of materials they used. Because um, obviously, I think it came down to the Energon toys being much nicer toys. I think they were going back the other way. They were moving back towards uh, toys for slightly older kids. Uh, yeah, probably because they wanted to carry on. Yeah. The fans they had, sort of getting new ones, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, the kids who were six to eight or whatever when they were buying Armada were now 10 to 11, mm. 12 or whatever when they were buying Energon and, and so on. So I think that that change might have had something to do with that. I see. But, I mean, oh, it's just me guessing. <laughs> but what I find interesting about the, the toy line is that I didn't know at the time, but... Not until I kind of got into reading Transformers forums and uh, talking to other fans and uh, and learning about it from the perspective of Hasbro and Aaron Archer, who we'll talk about a bit, but he was the lead designer at the time on uh, at Hasbro. It was the first toy line that Hasbro and Takara co-developed. Previously, one or the other would take the lead in mm. developing the toy line and then all the media that goes with it and all that kind of stuff. But this is the first time they worked together in unison. Mm-hmm. Not that they were always completely in unison, but you know, they tried to, and it was the more it was a more unified toy line. And it actually, you know, despite what I might think about it being a bit kidsy and kind of a, in a way a step backwards in mm-hmm. toy design for me, it was hugely popular and was quite good for the it was an, another example of the line coming back from the dead. Mm. as it were, because like like you had with Beast Wars, when it all kind of tailed off in Beast Machines, you know, things weren't looking great. That's why they brought Robots in Disguise over, just to keep the line on the shelves. So Armada was the kind of the second rebirth of Transformers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you you mentioned this, you said something about one of the things you wanted to talk about was the redesigns of the characters. And I assume what you mean by that is like the, just generally the designs, because some of the designs are definitely meant to be reminiscent of G1 or mm. past versions of those characters. And some aren't, some are just kind of new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, well, say like Prime and Megatron are clear examples of massive redesigns of like how people envision a Prime and a Megatron, like maybe Me- maybe Optimus less so, but Megatron's very different. Yeah. Um, Although he does have he does have little bit little nods. I mean, he's a green tank, so yeah. I mean, and he has the cannon under his arm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is a nod to G one Me- Megatron. I know that he um, he has like a little knife in his hand, and that was meant to be like a callback to the sword he has as a G one toy. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it could be. I mean, Optimus is very much just another Optimus in a lot of ways. He's he's a truck with a trailer. He 
has the same kind of face with the mouth plate. He has a grill on his chest. He doesn't have windows, although I understand there was at one point they wanted him to have windows on the front, but due to the toy design, they had to kind of like move them onto the back of it. So there was an intention for it to be a little bit more G1 looking. So he was very much more a kind of like a more more of an evolution of the prime design. Mm. Whereas, yeah, Megatron was considerably different. I really like Megatron's design. Mm. I like those massive tank tread shoulder pauldrons and mm. um, the insect pincers for horns <laughs> and like the and his underarm cannon, like like I said before, that's that's very reminiscent of the G1 Megatron toy. Mm-hmm. Because in the TV show, they had the uh, barrel of the gun up mm-hmm. behind his head, which is actually a mistransformation. The, the correct transformation for the Megatron toy is to have it coming out at his waist. Oh. It is kind of a nod to that, in a way, having that cannon coming out underneath. I mean, uh, you could have it on his back. He could swing it round. It was part of his kind of... Uh, uh, super mode or power link ability or whatever that he'd ha- that he'd have that cup swing out and shoot, mm. but um, it is a very cool design. And I like Starscream's design because it's quite a departure from G One Starscream. He's uh, different colours f- for a start. Yeah, he's got his canopy on his chest. He has, yeah. I mean, yeah, there are definitely nods. He's got a kind of similar head sculpt ish, mm-hmm. but that whole kind of having one of his wings turn into a sword was. Was cool. I really like that. I like that, mm-hmm. and that's not something you would have, you know, that, that's a completely new idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the thing that I really like about the Unicorn trilogy um, uh, is that they they took a chance and they just thought, well, let's just do something new. Let's mm-hmm. not over rely on previous iterations. Mm-hmm. Do something new for the kids of two thousand and two. I guess that's because. Up until then, that's what they had done. Like, you know, they did G1 until no one was buying it anymore. Mm. And then they went, let's do something completely different. And they did Beast Machines. And then, sorry, Beast Wars. And and then Beast Machines. And then they went, let's do something completely different again. And uh, you had R.I.D., which was like a kind of mishmash of the Beast era aesthetic and a kind of more G1-like mm-hmm. aesthetic. Although still quite different, quite Japanese-inspired. but um. But yeah, I do like that they did something different. <laughs> I mean, obviously to varying degrees. <laughs> not not all of them are brilliant. You're not a fan of Hotshot, are you? <laughs> Hotshot just looks like he's got a crash helmet on. <laughs> oh, yes, it's, it's 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 deliberate. I've read I've read uh, I read it read that it's a, it's a deliberate. It's li- he's meant to look like a racing driver. That's why he's got the um the straps the cross across his the straps mm. across his chest, and his helmet looks like a crash helmet because it's supposed to look like a crash helmet. But I think he looks a bit dumb. <laughs> He's not very... Yeah, I don't know. There's nothing particularly heroic or cool about him. He turns I mean, into a very boring-looking car. I mean, it's yellow. It's, uh... it's just like a really... It's just like some nondescript, average-looking car. I mean, that's all... Well, actually, that's a, that's a good point. All of them are kind of weirdly exaggerated cars. They're not... Like, I think the Minicons transform into things that are more... Realistic. earth modey. Yeah, realistic than what they transform into. Yeah, I'd say you're probably right. Yeah, there's the, a lot more boxes and things attached to them. Or yeah, the alt modes for almost everybody are kind of like very unusual. Mm. In they're not they're they're not going for any kind of realism. No, which I suppose isn't too unusual. I guess it is if you're thinking of it as following our ID. 
But if you're thinking of it as kind of following on from the end of G1, alt modes have gone a bit crazy at the end of G1 anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, it is, it is kind of more like that. They're more like the Headmasters type of vehicles. They're just... Mm. They are cars, but they're not a car in the real world, per se. They're more like a... Yeah. And then you've got some very strange things like, I mean, what is what even is Demolisher? <laughs> a tank of some description. Sort of t- a sort of tank. <laughs> and then uh, Cyclonus is, is a helicopter with arms hanging off. Yep. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> I quite liked the way the sideways worked. I liked that he had a Minicon riding him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Riding the motorcycle. I, I like the I like the fact that they did different designs, and I, and I like the fact that they were aimed at kids and they were meant to be kind of played with, which is nice. And you had like lots of gimmicks. Yeah, no, I think um, toy wise, I think it all it all was pretty cool. I mean, it's not a hundred percent one for one to the show, but a lot of the designs really follow through in the t- the toys or vice versa, like the way they transform, the where their kibble sits or whatever. Or well, yeah, it's quite even, accurate. Even the way the uh, where the minicons attach on to activate the gimmicks is how the toys work. So it was very unified in that way. Yeah, that I think that work that works really well. The toy line, the synergy between the toy line and the TV show works. I think where it's not where it falls apart falls apart. But what I did, oh, I do find interesting is some of the kind of baffling reuses of names and like inappropriate designs for those names. The Japanese didn't get it right either. Like the US line and the Japanese line have the same issues but with different characters like they'll use a really odd name for that for that particular design mm-hmm. i mean on the us side you've got um smokescreen and he turns into a truck with a grappling hook mm-hmm. uh, or sort of a hook mm-hmm. also uh, just just an aside when he gets introduced in the tv show he chases the kids around and tries to murder them and then goes oh <laughs> just kidding <laughs> yeah yeah not sure why. They kind of let him off that a bit. Well, they do that for the first few introductions of characters. They just stay in their vehicle mode until right at the end. And they're like, which side are they on? Why Why? Why are they doing this? And yeah. That's my, I loved how Scaffinger had like a, a long cloak on for like the first few episodes of his introduction. This is, yes. This they're, is they're, hanging they're, they're never, they never explained why that was going on. Like, it's just... He was like, st- like stood on top of a mountain with a cloak on. He was so tall. <laughs> For no reason. No reason at all. Then he just joined the Decepticons. Then he defected. But like, but why is he doing this hanging around looking mysterious business? <laughs> but yeah, to go back to what I was saying though, like, so you've got Smokescreen, which does, a, 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 I don't know why. I mean, apparently what I've learned looking it up was they weren't originally planning to call him Smokescreen, but they might have used a different name. I'm not sure what, but they were having trouble getting tra- uh, trademarks um, passed. And at the time, Alternator's Smokescreen was in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. So they already had that name available. So they just took it and gave it to him because they needed ah, to give him a name. Okay. But it doesn't really suit the uh, design or character. Like what has that character got to do with the name Smokescreen. Because normally the names of characters kind of have some parallel to what they are, you know? And also, if you think about back to to what G1 Smokescreen looked like, this is completely not (laughs) in any way similar. It's very different, isn't it? 
I was trying to think of another one. Uh, Wheeljack, maybe, but that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, Wheeljack was Will. This is. I was going to say. Apparently, Wheeljack. When Takara designed Wheeljack, mm. they designed him to resemble Sideswipe. G1 Sideswipe. Okay. Yeah. But then, for some bizarre reason, Hasbro named the toy that they designed to look like Nightbeat. Mm. They named him Sideswipe, so they ended up calling the one that looks like Sideswipe Wheeljack. <laughs> but in Japan, they called the Wheeljack one Rampage. Okay. Which, you know, is a bit of a weird name for someone who used to be an Autobot. Mm. <laughs> and then, it's, 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 just, it's mad, really. Um, <laughs> like... So then Night, the one that they designed to look more like Nightbeat, who does look a little bit like Nightbeat, mm-hmm. G1 Nightbeat, he then ended up being called Sideswipe and his Minicon got called Nightbeat. <laughs> they were just slapping names on left, right and centre. They weren't really paying an awful lot of attention. Aaron Archer posted a lot of stuff online at the time uh, mm-hmm. saying, basically suggesting that his team weren't weren't on top of everything as much as they could have been and they were kind of winging it. I suppose it's a bit like when Beast Wars was in production. It was like, well, Hasbro, just please just do something and make it good so that we can keep this line going. Mm. So they kind of weren't so kind of on the ball with kind of keeping control of what they were doing. Wasn't there like also some sort of departure with the Japanese show and then their names and stuff? Didn't I, I saw something about Aaron not realising that they were going to change so many of the names of the characters, or even not called them Minicons or anything. Like, there was a big, like, oh, they've changed it. Oh, it doesn't matter now, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, almost, not everyone, but almost everyone in the Japanese show and the Japanese toy line has a different name. Mm. Or, a, or a slight, though they have a similar name, but a slightly similar name, but not always. But there are also some crazy names in the Japanese version, like, um, sideways is called Double Face, which is, <laughs> you know, a little bit on the nose. And um, who else makes no sense? There's a few. Blur is called Silverbolt, which I don't suppose is that bad because he is a silver racing car, so mm-hmm. it's fine. And you've got Hot Rod instead of Hot Shot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Prime is always Convoy. Megatron's Megatron. Thinks Gavinger's called Devast- Devastor. Instead of, sca- instead of scavenger, but it's it's just fine. But there are there are some weird ones. What's tidal wave called? Shockwave. Okay, that's that's fine, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how tidal wave speaks in the US show, mm-hmm. but in the Japanese show, he can basically say nothing but his own name. Um, kind of. Mm. He doesn't talk a lot. In Energon, he does that, and he just basically says his name a lot. I don't know if he does that in Armada. Dave is correct. Tidal Wave barely spoke in Armada, but when he did, it was simply evil laughter, or the very brief G1 Dinobot-like referring to himself in the third person. In Legends of Micron, Shockwave only really says Shock, Wave, or Strong, Arm, which refers to his title as Strong Arm Admiral, whatever that means. However... When Tidal Wave returns in Transformers Energon, he adopts a similar verbal tick by chanting Tidal Wave, Tidal Wave, Tidal Wave over and over. In the Japanese version, he just keeps going, Shock! 
Wave. <laughs> yes. There's one other word he says as well, but like very rarely, occasionally he does say something other than that, but very, very rarely. The Japanese line also had more show-accurate colour schemes on the toys as well. Yes, yeah. And they also had a lot more Minicons. <laughs> they had loads and loads of different colour variations of the Minicons, like exclusive ones and um, like extra sets. They bought out tons of them. If you love the Minicons, you could really make a massive collection of them if you went and got all the old all the Japanese exclusives, because there's loads of them. Yeah, I saw a picture of the um, spark plug who looks like Bumblebee. That's attached with Prime. I saw like a picture of like he's called Prime in uh, the uh, in the Japanese show. Oh, that doesn't make it more confusing. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> There's like twenty of them, or 30, all these different colours. I'm like, wow! Like, I knew there was a yep. a few variations over here, but I didn't realise it was that many. Like, <laughs> yeah, every colour, every colour under the sun. Yeah, there were loads. There were like loads. You'd love it. There's loads of translucent ones. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, I, I would love a translucent gun. <laughs> yeah, they did loads of translucent ones. And they did a, a translucent... Well, let, let, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Unicron. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think of the, the Unicron toy? Um, I didn't get it at the time. I got it a few years later. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought he was great. I mean, at the time, he was big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He was a big, chunky, heavy toy. Yes. Like, uh, that Unicron could do some damage um, if someone hit, hit you with it in the playground or something. You know. Um, yeah. And I thought all the, the features were cool. The light-up features, the mouth-eating gimmick, the morph, the missiles, all of it. It was a very compact playset really i guess yeah you could put all the put all the minicons on him it was uh he had little holes in his arms and his chest for minicons to sit inside as well yeah. articulated fingers pretty cool yes he did have articulated fingers that's that's quite i mean i think the unicorn toy was the point at which i actually went oh hang on something interesting is happening interesting is happening in armada hmm. and i did buy that toy in toys r us mm-hmm I think it was 50 quid. Something like that, yeah. And I even got the um, Energon repaint later. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it was a great toy. I really liked it. It had, again, yeah, like you say, loads of interesting gimmicks. But it still was quite unlike a lot of other Armada toys. I suppose because it was so large, it was able to be articulated as well. Mm. And in all honesty, although it didn't necessarily turn into a, into a total sphere mm-hmm. and it the way it dealt with the planet kibble was just to have the kind of hanging off the back mm-hmm. is that much better than the um war for cybertron one i don't know really i mean you... or is the war for cybertron one much better because that's got loads of kibble hanging off the back of it as well well you could always just take it off that's what i always used to do you could just take the yeah you could just pop the sides off couldn't you and then yeah and put, it was the, fine. put the wings back on and it was fine yeah um yeah and I guess you can't do that with the Wolf of Cybertron. <laughs> um, you can. Well you, you can. well, you can, but you're not meant to. You actually have to get a screwdriver out and um, start thinking. Yeah, someone, someone's actually... There's a third party who's selling a... Um, basically, it's a kind of armature... Ah, uh, yes. ...that you can use to put all the kibble on so mm-hmm. that you have Unicron as a figure stood, in, stood separate to 
Unicron as a planet because mm. you can basically put all the panels together and it's just an empty globe, <laughs> but it still looks like the, you know what I mean. So you end up looking like you've got two. I mean, that's that'd be two huge figures um, that you'd have to have space for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, I thought that um, Armada Unicron was a great figure. I really liked it. Um, uh, I, I really don't have any serious criticism of it. I thought it was fantastic. Had some nice light up gimmicks. Mm-hmm. as well the hand lit up and mm-hmm. the uh, eyes yeah I liked it it was good yeah I think it's uh, it's one of those ones that have set a bar for a figure and they've just had so many variations on it like that's another one that's been repainted and redone several times over hasn't it yeah I was going to say they did a in Japan they did a clear translucent green version of it oh uh, yeah 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 and yeah, there have been a few other repaints over the years since as well. Like the the translucent green one was an Armada toy, mm-hmm. um, or sorry, Micron Legends toy. But yeah, they like they did a very G, a more G one accurate one at one point, mm-hmm. and you know they've done a few different versions of it. And of course, I did mention that they, it got repainted and re released in Energon as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking of repaints and re releases. There are a bunch of Beast Machines toys in the Armada line. Senior moment. Orion obviously means Beast Wars, not Machines. Transmetal Airazor, Cheetah, Rhinox, Pterosaur and Megatron, renamed Predacon to avoid confusing with the big guy, were redecoed and retooled for use in the Armada line. Uh, Transmetals. Yes, yeah. Without their... Uh shiny vacuum yeah without that and with um with added mini compegs mm-hmm. which apparently was because they 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 didn't expect the line to be as popular as it was and then they had to fill it out a bit more and add more toys to it mm. off the back and we'll probably talk about this in a bit but off the back of armada they started the uni, uh, universe line mm-hmm. and they were already kind of bringing back old molds through that so it was a bit of a kind of crossover in a way. And I think a lot of people kind of use those Armada reissues to kind of represent. Yeah. There was kind of a separate continuity going on somewhere that people <laughs> allowed people to use those those toys as something else. I remember the comics, the Transformers Energon comics, the mm-hmm. Transmetal Airazor, Rhinox, Cheetor and Terrazor mm-hmm. play... Like the four four horsemen of the apocalypse for Unicron or something. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And yeah. They just come and they just knock the crap out of Armada Prime, and he has to like mm-hmm. reformat into Superlink body. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading those. <laughs> yeah, you had the little comics that came with the toys, which was they. I think they were drawn by Dreamwave, but they were quite separate to the Dreamwave comic itself, mm-hmm. which was um, which is a different story altogether. In fact, I think it was written by Simon Furman. Oh no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I don't mean those comics. I mean, yes, that have those as well. But I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the actual Energon volumed issues. That's one when they appeared and started oh. doing stuff. Oh like yeah, that. oh yeah. You, uh, actually, no, I think you're right. I think you are right. Yeah, sorry, I've got the I've got the two confused. But yeah, yeah, that was uh, Simon Furman did the did a lot of the Dreamwave Armada t- uh, comic book and the Energon comic book. Mm. Until Dreamwave folded because Pat Lee doesn't pay people. Yeah. <laughs> and then that, and it was cancelled. 
Um, but I didn't read much of it. I don't know about you. Did you read much of it, the comic? I did. I liked it. It was it was very different um, from the, mm-hmm. the show. Um, but it was. I feel like you maybe you would have liked the comic more. It was definitely felt more like uh, less kidsy than the show. Yeah, I did read some of it, and it was okay. And there was even some kind of kind of crossover with G One, where there were, there was a storyline where they like skipped dimensions or something and ended up. I think sounds highly possible. G One Galvatron came through or something like that. It, it did happen, but but at the time I was reading the Dreamwave G One stuff. So okay. I was less interested in the Dreamwave Armada stuff because I was just less interested in Armada in general. Hmm. But yeah, I, the, as I understood it, they were more mature because they were aimed at a comic reading hmm. audience and people who read comics are generally <laughs> these days not kids. It's true. <laughs> and haven't been for a long time, to be honest. Uh, did you want to talk about what you sent me in, um, in WhatsApp? Oh, yeah. It, it was just one of one of the ones I could find a picture of. I knew there was like uh, like over the years, obviously looking at Transformers toys and Armada stuff. I've seen the prototypes of different characters before. What mm-hmm. would have happened and whatnot, and finding the Hotshot one was kind of interesting. Of just like how, um, <laughs> like what was on the table of what could have happened in terms of toy wise. You know how some things are a bit simpler, some things are. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say that the retail release toy looks that much better than the prototype. In fact, it possibly <laughs> looks a bit worse. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's simplified, but I don't know. It doesn't. I mean, th- this is something that I would say about Hot Hot Shot in particular. Mm-hmm. Is he doesn't look like a transformer? How's he looks? He looks like uh, a child. In a crash helmet with some shoulder pads on. <laughs> He's got a round kind of, you know, globe-like head with a little little face. Yeah, if he hadn't got an Autobot symbol on his shoulder, I would think knockoff. Really? Mm. I would think it was one of those knockoffs you get in um, a Poundland or something. I don't... Well, not knockoffs, you know, like the cheap Transformers toys, transforming toys that are not Transformers. But I don't, I don't see how Hotshot's any different from any of the others because they're not. I mean, he's not. He doesn't stand out in the terms of being so different from the others. No, I just, I don't think it's just the kind of curvy shape of him and the fact that he's basically, you just stand the car up on its, on its back and it's, he's, there he is. <laughs> um, Pretty much. Yeah, he's a, he's a sim- simple transformation, isn't it? I mean, it's a. It's barely a transformation. I think it's a. For where it's the movie, isn't it? It's, there was a big, there was a big change in Transformers, Armada, Energon, and Cybertron in mm-hmm. terms of their simple transformations. And then when the um, 2007 movie kicked around, and then transformations just got a whole lot more complicated. And yeah. that's always the fit the car aesthetic of making it real world. And Obviously, a lot of the parts counts and whatever went into that, but it's it was like a nice period of like what we were talking. We've talked about this before. Like you could mm. pick up any toy from those lines and just do it in like five five seconds. It was no yeah. thought was oh, needed. No, you, you didn't I'm, need instructions or anything. It was a nice 
point where you could just pick it up and. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like I said, I think it's great that they were kind of aimed at kids, but for me, they looked a bit too kidsy. And I think Hot Shot is a very good example of, of a very kidsy looking toy. Yeah, I, I think it was because he was meant to. He was meant to be the. Yeah, Scavenger's another one. Scavenger is just. <laughs> I didn't realize how static his toy was. I, I've never had it. I never. <laughs> yeah, it's just it. It looks like it belongs like in a rescue bots or a Fisher Price <laughs> line. You know, there's something very, very kind of a. There's no sharp corners. This won't take your kid's eye out. Kind of thing going on. It seems very kid kid safe, which is fine. But it's, it's, it's just something that was a bit jarring when those first came out. The that design change. Well, since we're talking about the toys, what did you think of? When they did the universe one, when they redid Hotshot and they redid Starscream, got new toys. Well, I was going to talk about going to talk about that towards the end, but we can talk about it now. Uh, what did I think? Well, I thought I don't like Hotshot, uh, so I don't care. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know. I thought Armada Starscream was okay. I didn't ha- I didn't buy these toys. I had no interest in them. You didn't buy either. No, I didn't even think about buying them. Okay, I mean, a hot shot. Oh, that's a given. But I thought maybe you would have gotten the Starscream. I wasn't interested in Starscream uh, okay. in Armada at all because uh, I didn't watch the show. Right. Until right. just now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't buy one now either. Even though there's been some nice ones, I don't think I would. I'm okay. not interested. I don't like. Spoiler alert, I don't like Armada very much. <laughs> it's all right. It's fine. But if I were like rating Fest Transformers shows or toy lines, Armada would come very much towards the bottom. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I mean, I have an incredible bias against Armada because... It's towards, my, you mean? Not towards, against. towards <laughs> Armada because it's my introduction to the whole thing. Yeah, but I, I yes, get that. I... I I would agree. It's not the best toy line from any of the yeah. lines, or show-wise. It is very, very ropey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But but that's some something we should talk about. It's not really held with in high regard amongst the fandom. I would say. I don't know. At the time, I remember both the toy line and the cartoon being. Quite badly received by fans. Now that doesn't matter if the kids watch it, which they did, and Hasbro sold a lot of toys, so it didn't matter. But I remember at the time, it getting quite a kind of poor reception from Transformers fans. I mean, but that happens a lot. You know what Transformers fans are like. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> but unlike, say, Beast Wars, it doesn't have that. Apart from maybe from a few individuals like yourself, mm. it doesn't have that kind of like. That resurgence of love later. Um, Beast Wars is held in much higher regard now than it was when it came out. I don't think Armada is. Yeah, I think the difference between the two is that people were turned off from Beast Wars because of the whole organic animals and the departure from the aesthetic of G1, I guess. And Mm -hmm. they weren't even willing to give it a chance to see where the story was going. And by the time people did come back and then rewatch it, they realise that, oh, this is some of the best written stuff in Transformers in terms of the shows, you know? Yeah. But whereas Armada, I would hesitate, even watching it again now as an adult, 
I don't think there's anything there that really sparks as some of the best written stuff <laughs> in Transformers lore. I mean, I love the show. I think it's a great, fun kid show you could put on for someone who's under the age of 15 or something, but it's not, it's not there. The characters aren't given the type of love in order for people yeah. to care about them in the same way. It's, it's not there. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was kind of driving at. Yeah, it's, it's... And I mean, there's been better Transformers kid shows since. In, oh, incredibly, yes. yes. Yes, of course. So why would you watch Armada? <laughs> yeah. Unless you were one of the generation that grew up with it. I think maybe, I think the only thing Armada has is its designs. I think mm-hmm. some of the designs of those characters, well, obviously they still hold up because, you know, third party are making big moves to do some of the leaders from it. And I mean, there's... Well, there's one particular third party company. One company. I mean, it, 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 I think that shows that there is some love for those aesthetic of those characters. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think there is some love for the to- for the toy design, or at least the the character design. Maybe not character the, design. Maybe not the toys specifically, because some of the toys were not great. Mm-hmm. But the character design definitely. I think that's the only thing that Armada has. And I think what fans hobby are doing is fantastic because they seem to be both embracing the design, the character design. And being quite faithful to that from the TV show, but also embracing all the kind of gimmicky stuff that Armada and, and yeah. Energon and so on were all about. So that Megatron that came out a little while ago, it has loads of little Minicon gimmicks on it and stuff. It kind of still does all that stuff. And it has like a cannon that kind of like pumps backwards and forwards like when it's firing and yeah. so on. And has, it has lights and sounds. And the same goes for the... Um, Optimus they made, and they're making a an Energon Optimus now. Mm-hmm. Really, kind of embracing that play style, the, the the whole idea of it being a toy, even though they're making a kind of masterpiece, kind of scale collector's version of it. It's still very um, faithful to that original idea. I mean, even the boxes they've done for them look great. Like this. yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very. Very, very um, reminiscent of the original boxes. That was one thing rewatching this has made me very FOMO about the whole those figures. Like, no, I didn't get it, and I'm not. I'm not looking back at it now. I don't want to know how much is in the secondary market. <laughs> I think you can still get Megatron at the moment, brand new. Yeah, I can get Megatron, but Prime. Who cares mm. about Prime? <laughs> it's an ugly design. You can't have one without the other. Didn't Hasbro teach you? You have to have both of them. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I will not be told what to do by Hasbro. <laughs> I mean, I like Meg- the Megatron's design, but I have to say, Prime's smaller robot mm-hmm. looks good. Mm-hmm. The combined mode is ugly as hell. Not just the one where he combines with his trailer, but the one where he's combined with Jetfire, the one where he's combined with Overlord, Overload, or um, Overload. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Really not good. All that kind of gold and... There's so many colours on it. (laughs) It it doesn't have... There's no kind of... Especially when you're... Obviously when you're combining with another robot that's got another colour scheme in itself. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's messy. And and incoherent. Uh, I mean, I I agree with your first part. I I prefer the smaller Prime design. Mm -hmm. Um, Overall, like, I really like the whole... The smokestacks are like weapons when he puts his hands together type of thing. I, I like how the, yeah. the Matrix is still in his chest type of mm-hmm. transformation. I, I I really enjoy 
the transformation of when he goes into a super mode and his hand, his feet become hands as he flips over. Yeah, but the, but the final product, the, the final I, product. I don't mind the design, but I can get why people wouldn't like it. I mean, I don't, I don't particularly like the head sculpt. It kind of reminds me of um, Omega Prime from R.I.D. Like how he had like the gold ears. Yeah, a little thing. bit. It reminds me of a Megazord, but then that's what a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff from um, Unicorn Trilogy reminds me of, especially Prime. I. I don't know. I mean, I think what fans hobby has done and when they've redesigned that super mode, it's probably the best that's looked to me, but then obviously that's not an official thing. Yeah. Um, every time it's been done since or bef- before, I should mean, is he's very clunky, very can't move anything below the waist. Mm-hmm. He's got a cape on his back, which is all the runways. But and that's, just... that's toy design. I'm, I'm just talking about the actual appearance of the character. Like, I just don't think it's a very, I just don't think it's a very, uh, attractive design in general. The, like, the little robot, fine. But the big guy, no. Talking about the thing where you're saying where he puts his guns together, mm-hmm. in the show, why does he put his fists together and shoot uh, shoot atoms out of his hands? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and why is that introduced out of nowhere? I mean, I always used to do it with the toys. <laughs> and and then later on, they're on Cybertron, they're shooting energy out of their hands. Yeah, they just they forgot about guns towards the end. Yeah, thought, oh, we don't have guns anymore. We don't need those. <laughs> we shoot energy out of our hands. I mean, that's trans- oh. that's that's Transformers, isn't it? I mean, they did yeah. that back in the day. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not saying it's um it's unique, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, it is is noticeable. I thought it was like some sort of callback to uh, I mean the the hand thing. I thought it was callback to Primal because of the whole wrist cannons. Like I thought it was. That was the reason they were there. Yeah, but the but the it's not coming out of his wrist scanners; it's coming out of his fists. Uh, I mean, he, yeah, he does do the whole atom hand bomb thing, but he also does yeah. he does do the whole shooting out of his. Yeah, he does do that as well, and also, in a way, just going back to introducing things out of nowhere, hmm. like he suddenly goes, "Oh, by the way, I've got this matrix in my chest. I don't know if you knew about that. Here it is." <laughs> yeah. I haven't really told anyone for the past 30 episodes, but here it is. And I'm just going to say, before I go on this mission, where I might die, mm-hmm. Hot Rod, do you mind looking after this for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then he does die. But, I mean, that's that's we're going over old ground again there. But yeah, I mean, I think that I do I agree. I think the toy designs is where the, 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 the toy and character designs are where the strength of Armada lies. Despite any problems I might have with the toys because they're not my thing, mm-hmm. they were great kids' toys. And I think it was great that they just went in a completely different direction for a change. Well, not for a change. It was kind of what they did at the time. But I think the last example of this happening was probably animated. And ever since then, we've kind of just kind of stuck to doing the same thing over and over again. It was a very, it was a huge departure from anything that had come previously which i i do appreciate i love the megatron design i think the starscream design is pretty good even jetfire looks pretty cool the toy didn't but the but the the design in the show was fairly mm. cool looking <laughs> blur not so much he has a lot of car ragging off his back doesn't he i actually i really i like blur as a toy i don't really like him much in the show yeah i always liked that design of the car and whatnot but it doesn't really translate as well for me anyway i didn't 
Whenever you see him in the show from the back, it just looks like his car stood up on its back. <laughs> there's actually, there, there's actually, there was, um, I did make a note of it. There's, um, I think it's the episode after he's introduced. Mm-hmm. There's like a scene where he's leaning up against the wall, like yeah. crossing his arm, not paying, att- not ignoring everybody. And it's like, I thought he was leaning, but he's actually sitting on his car mode. Like he's just, <laughs> <laughs> he's resting on the carpet and he yeah. across. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's got these massive wings that come right down to the floor. It's very, it's very, it must be very difficult to get about and, you know, and not kind of, you know, get through a doorway and so on. Like it's, Tidal Wave is a quite cool looking toy, even though he was very, again, no articulation, but it was very cool looking. And I think that um, fans hobby are working on a, a Tidal Wave. Well, no, I think, I think Tidal Wave was a, was a great, great figure. The toys sold. The toys sold a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, off the back of that, Hasbro put out more toys in the line, like the like the Beast Wars repaints, and then they they launched um, the Universe line, and they were able to plow a lot more um, money into research and development for the rest of the Unicorn trilogy, which is why you see that difference, I think, mm. between the very simple kidsy designs of Armada and the the more um, I don't know. I said maybe I say refined designs of um, Energon and uh, Cybertron, but I think when you get them to Energon in particular, that the designs—not of everybody, um, but some characters—really pull more from the G1 designs. Like, say, Prime and Megatron, for instance. It's very—I mean, it's not not as—I won't say it's not as creative, but it's not as. I would say Megatron, yes. Not so much Prime. Prime looks like a Megazord again. In his super mode, but I mean, just regular... And in his small mode, he looks like a fridge on legs. <laughs> yeah, well, he looks like... Um, he's got, I mean, he's got the classic chest for Prime, but he just hasn't got the waist or the, the thin legs. <laughs> he's a cube with arms and legs and a head on top. I, I, I suppose I do agree with you, but he's not... I wouldn't say he's super G1 reminiscent. Megatron is G1 Galvatron reminiscent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Megatron. Mm. But yeah, there's de- they're definitely going for Galvatron more so. Yeah, there's definitely less of a departure in that sense. Mm. But they're not all the not all the characters. In, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Energon another time, but I was like, not all the characters are yeah. like that. My Let's just get it out of the way then, Dave. Please... Tell our listeners about the great games. Well, I mean, there was there was it was only the one game. It came out on PlayStation Two and I'm sure other consoles. Um, mm-hmm. I remember playing the the demo at PlayStation Experience when PlayStation Two launched. God, that's how old that is. Um, mm-hmm. It was you could only play as Red Alert at the time, and it it was just so cool. Seeing these characters in a 3D form, like a visual game 3D model with the metals looking like metals, with the lasers looking like lasers. It was, a, at the time, for me as a child, it was a nice translation of those character designs. And then playing the game, it is probably one of the better Transformers games. It's not the best, but it's one of the better ones. Um, Sounds like faint praise to me. No, it, it is. It's like not Transformers games are not 
not really held in high regard. They're not. They're not. Apart from the apart from the War for Cybertron games, they are highly regarded. Yes, but even the War for Cybertron games are quite. The reason why they're so good is because they're quite limited. They're they're very short. They're very story driven. Um, whereas this game is quite expansive. It's, you can go a lot and do a lot, and there's a lot lot left of your own devices because it's an old game where they didn't hold your hand all the time. So you just yeah, I didn't even know there was one. I honestly didn't know there was it's, a game. It's uh, practically the same as like we were talking about the very first few episodes of the show. You just go around and find minicons. And they power you up, mm-hmm. and out of the blue, Unicron turns up, and you have to go fight him in space. Well, it sounds exactly <laughs> like the show. Then. The only difference is there's no kids. All the Decepticons are bosses, and they bring back all the the voice actors for the the game as well. It's quite it's quite fun. It's a fun game to play, and the best level in the game is when you have to infiltrate a Decepticon warship. And you get through the game and you go around and you beat it and it you get kicked out of it because it transforms into Tidal Wave and you have to fight Tidal Wave like ten times bigger is in the than he's in the show. And it's just a fun level. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Well you know things you learn. <laughs> I've never really paid any attention to Transformers computer games and I don't know if I ever will. I tend to see Transformers as a toy line with a TV show or a comic book attached. And the, tra- the, yeah, the computer games just seem kind of something you can do if you like, but not something I'm bothered about. I mean, I think the, the reason why that game probably caught a lot of people's attention in terms of, it was just because of the timing of it, because of this, it was a game that was at the launch of PS2. So there was a lot of demos going out about mm. for it, and there was a lot of... I know people who are, don't really like Transformers or collect the toys or anything, but played that game and have fond memories of the game. So it's... See, I don't know anyone who played that game, <laughs> and I don't... I didn't even know it existed, so uh, I'm not sure it had quite the impact you think well, it Well, I, could, I would put that up to the, the dramatic age difference of people that we would have been talking to at the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I know people who were very excited for the relaunch of for the launch of the mm-hmm. PS2, and what they were talking about was GTA. Oh yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, other <laughs> things. <laughs> no one was talking about, but I suppose maybe kids were, and you know, if you were at the right age, maybe that was exciting. <laughs> right. Well, um, I suppose we can wrap it up by kind of talking. We've already spoken about it a little bit already. But like the legacy, and I don't mean Transformers legacy, although that is definitely part of it. The legacy of the line. We are seeing homages to Armada starting to pop up. Like we spoke about the fan hobby mm-hmm. stuff, um, and they seem to be going quite great, you know, great guns on getting all the um, the leader characters out. And then, obviously, as, as I mentioned, there's a tidal wave coming, so I wouldn't be surprised if they would they would do a um, jet fire as well. And maybe an overlord or overload. 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 There's an overlord as well. Why do we have to have so many characters with similar <laughs> names? That guy. And and the and the other guy, the prototype that I'm still waiting for. Well yeah, that's what I'm saying. There are things from Armada that have continued. Like the idea of minicons has kind of continued here and there in various iterations. And you like you say, you had those universe toy versions of Hotshot and um Mm-hmm. Starscream, 
And there were the Mega FF- SFC mm-hmm. toys as well. But yeah, now now in Transformers Legacy, there's going to be an Armada Starscream, we know mm-hmm. for a fact. And there is that prototype of Armada, Meg- um, sorry, Armada Optimus Prime that we saw ages ago. And I wouldn't be surprised if that eventually rears its head somehow in Legacy or something like that. I mean, I would hope so. But, uh... You would have thought so. I think there will be smatterings of it here and there, uh, of Armada mm. that is. But I mean, they've designed they designed that toy, so they can't see them not putting it. Out. I mean, I think it's uh, maybe they're just waiting for the actual anniversary to really kick it off. I I'm hope so. I'm hopeful of it. I mean, I mean, people have mentioned the possibility of a, of a Armada masterpiece, and I think you, as you, who told me about that, wasn't it? Like it was an option at one point, but it, it was like it was an it option was, on a yes. box for the votes or whatever. But there was a fan vote. For the next masterpiece, this was a, this was a long time ago, and the winner of the fan vote was mm. Star Saber, and they made a masterpiece Star Saber. But the runner-up was Armada, uh, sorry, Armada Optimus Prime, or Armada Convoy. So cool. This poll was held by Takara Tomi in 2013, almost ten years ago. So it's probably not indicative at all of current thinking at the offices of Takara Tomi. The Masterpiece line is a fickle and unpredictable beast after all. However, as mentioned, Star Saber won with 31.2% of the vote, and as a result became MP24. Legends of Micron Convoy, aka Amada Prime, came in second with 24.3% of the vote, beating characters like Optimus Primal and Lyra Convoy, who have since received Masterpiece figures, and also well ahead of his Energon and Cybertron counterparts which does show that, at the time, there was a considerable appetite for a Masterpiece version of the character. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't buy it, but, you know... <laughs> but, you know, not, not to say that other people... I don't know. I mean, they've done Beast Wars. They could do Armada Masterpieces. I mean, there was a time when I thought they mm. were never going to do Masterpiece Beast Wars. So they could do um, Masterpiece Armada, maybe. I mean, the Masterpiece line is in a bit of flux at the moment, so it's very hard to say where it's going. Well, there's definitely a market for it if people are buying the fans of it. I mean, someone is willing to buy it. The question is, how big is that market? Because fans hobby are able to make stuff for niche markets because they're a small third-party company and they, they only make a certain number of pieces and they sell them to those people who want them. Now, what Takara will need to see is that they can sell many more pieces than than someone like fans hobby would want would do they need to be sure that they're going to make their money back on it it's a totally different proposition for an official company to do it than a third party. well i mean it was just isn't it uh kind of matter of how, how well it did in japan then because it's that it's really their market it's really yes, there it, it only matters how well it did in japan. yeah unless unless hasbro and Takara worked together on it like they did with the movie masterpieces. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> Hasbro don't don't really contribute towards the masterpiece line unless they plan to sell it in there in the US. So, yeah, it would it would really depend how popular the show was in Japan mm. and how many people they think would buy them. I wouldn't be surprised if they did one or two one day. I wouldn't expect much more than that, but then I could be wrong. Like I didn't, I honestly didn't think we'd get as many Beast Wars masterpieces as we did. Mm. So, hey, it's possible. Anything's possible. Maybe we'll see some Armada masterpieces. Maybe we won't. But I reckon we'll definitely see a few more Legacy toys and a few more mm-hmm. fans' hobby toys. 
So I suppose it's a good time to be an Armada fan. Even in Transformers Red, I would be interested to see what they would do, but will they get that far? I don't know. Will Red survive that long? I don't know. You know, they could do. I mean, I, I, I've said my piece on what I think of Red. I don't think, I don't think, I think they're quite ugly toys. But again, not maybe just not aimed at me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they haven't said they're going to do any, have they? They've said so far we've seen G1, Beast Wars, and Prime. Mm. That's it, isn't uh, it? Yeah, I think so, so far. Right, well, I think we've uh, covered Transformers Armada. Well, probably not. I'm sure there's a bunch of things that the two of us will remember later and send messages back and forth, so we should have said that. But, hey, why don't you tell us what we've missed? You can find us on social media. You can connect with us on Facebook, where there's an Ag My Optics page. Uh, I'm also on there as Orion Gear. And on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Gear Orion and Orion underscore Gear, respectively. Virtual Dave, uh, where can they come and um, wax lyrical about how wonderful the Armada <laughs> toy line and uh, cartoon were and how vitally important they were to their growing up? Where can they find you to do that? You can always find me at Instagram at virtualdave26. Yes, please come and tell me mm-hmm. how you enjoyed the Transformers video game um, back in the day. <laughs> and prove to Orion that people do exist who played this game. <laughs> and how desperate you are for uh, further Armada-related figures in the future. Oh, I, re- I just want that Prime. They showed the prototype yeah, yeah. and they just put it on the shelf. And it's not been seen again. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed, eh? Right, well, don't forget that if you enjoyed the podcast, please let us know by liking, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening, and please join us next time on... Art My Optics! Optics!